You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Washington left field deep, Bam going back, looking up, he will watch it fly! And 29 other MLB clubs. 2-2 pitch on Trout, and he blasts one. Way back, goal for Yelich! Cody Bellinger hits one out. Pete so he's your home run derby champion. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From spin rate to juiced balls to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Boy, do we have a fantastic show for you today here on A's Cast Live. Alex Jensen, who you've heard doing this show, filling in for me over the years, is now the voice of the Stockton Ports. We're proud of him and what the job that he's doing. That he's getting a chance to call games once again because uh, they didn't have games last year. They're down in San Jose for a six-game set. I did not check Commander Cody last night. I was too involved in Major League Baseball and the A's getting the 4-1 and one victory over the Mariners behind a phenomenal performance Sean Manaya seven innings, gave up one run, struck out a career-high 13. I was too involved with A's baseball. What happened last night at the house that Chris Towns built, better known as San Jose Muni? Uh, the Ports, uh, Ports victorious again. That's two in a row after they lost, I want to say it was nine straight games they lost coming into the series against San Jose. Big nine win. Straight. Nine straight they lost. So in the start of a six-game series, they dropped game one. Are, are you saying Rico Bronia is on the hot seat? Hey, 100th career win last night for Rico as the Ports won 10-5 in San Jose at the ballpark that you built. Uh, Robert Poisson, after uh, you'll talk to Alex about him, uh, he had a second career home run, professional home run last night. So big win for the Ports as they look to go 3-1 and one versus the Giants tonight at uh, San Jose Muni, also known as Excite Ballpark. According to my scouting report, it was an oppo taco for Robert, you may call him Robert Poisson, last night at San Jose Muni. Let me tell you something. When you go oppo jack at that yard, that is no joke. But then again, I have given one of those up there, so it's not that big of a deal. Uh, So we got Alex Jensen showing up here. He's going to be here at 415. The manager of your Oakland Athletics, the Bob Melvin Show, brought to you by nestbedding.com, will be here at 4.30. Our buddy with the Mariners, Aaron Goldsmith, play-by-play guy, does TV and radio for them. He will join us. And then at 5.30, it's the David Force Show. You get all of that exclusively right here on A's Cast. Well, it is official. I don't know how I feel about it. I learned about it today on the golf course where I was told, did you hear about the Indians change their names? And I'm like, no, I was thinking it was going to be the spiders. Cause at one point in the early 1900s, I don't know who the hell they were. They were the Cleveland spiders, which I thought you could probably do a pretty cool logo with a spider. Not everybody likes spiders, but I think you could do something pretty cool. You know, we saw with the San Jose Sharks the amount of money you can make off a cool logo, like a great white shark. 
and have the team skate out of a head of a great white shark. And then everything that you're selling has got a shark on it. People dig it. It was a great idea. Whoever came up with that way back when, and I don't know, when was that? 99 or 2000? That would be before that. 98? Whoever came up with the shark was genius, and they've made a lot of money off of it. So after this season, the Cleveland Indians will no longer be the Indians. They're going to be the Guardians. So get ready for a tough four-game set against the Guardians from Cleveland. I don't know how I feel about it. The first thing that I noticed, and Cody didn't notice, and I don't know if anybody else noticed, maybe it's just the way I think, they still have D-I-A-N-S. Remember, they're the Indians. Now they're getting rid of the Indians, but they're going to be the Guardians. So they're keeping part of the Indians' name inside their logo. Do you understand what I'm talking about now, Cody? Because before the start of the show, you're like, huh, do you see what I'm saying? They still have part of Indians inside Guardians. Yeah, I see it now, and I'm looking I'm looking at the name more uh, on the uh, the old rundown playbook, whatever we call our, our, our show document now. But, yeah, I see what you're saying with that. And I, I watched the Twitter video they released on the, the Indians' Twitter page, and um, it's, it was like two minutes and ten seconds long. Uh, it was a cool video. It was narrated by Tom Hanks, which is just weird because Tom Hanks is an Oakland guy. But I mean, like ace man Tom Hanks is narrating something for the Guardians. Yeah, a little odd, a little odd and perplexing uh, again because uh, again he's an Oakland guy. But whoa, 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 hey, we got Super Ace fan Matt Baskersian is now the TV TV road guy for the Angels. We got all these long time huge A's fans are all doing stuff for other teams these days. Yeah, the video, but, but the video was cool explaining like what they were doing, and you know they showed a bunch of different. Do you have it? Yeah, I do. It, oh, I have the audio of the video. Uh, it's uh, here. It is. This is from the Indians Twitter. Kind of people want to go check it out. Not the Indians. They're the Guardians. Well, they're still the Indians right now, but uh, this is I on. Their... Still call them the Tribe for how long? Uh, till the end of the twenty twenty one season. You might want to buy your Cleveland stuff up now, because someday that stuff might be going for some money. Well, they mentioned in the video that the most important name is still intact, and that's the Cleveland name. So here's the uh, here's the audio from the video from their Twitter uh, page. As LeBron would call it, the land. Yeah, the land. Well, he's from Akron, so what does he know? We are a city on the rise, forging into the future from our ironed-out past. We are a city of fire and water, of trees and towers, built through generations of blue collars and the brightest scholars, and all of those who have worked harder. We hold tight to our roots and set our sights on tomorrow. And this is our team that has stood with our city for more than a century, from Old Municipal to the corner of Carnegie. A team that has seen its own progress and prosperity. Its history flows like the river through the heart of this city. A history that has given us miraculous moments. Moments that spanned years and others 22 games. Moments that broke barriers and moments that broke hearts. Moments that prove this is more than a game. We remember those moments as we move forward with change. You see, it has always been Cleveland 
That's the best part of our name. And now it's time to unite as one family, one community, to build the next era for this team and this city, to keep watch and guard what makes this game the greatest, to come together and welcome all who want to join us. We are loyal and proud and resilient. We protect what we've earned and always defend it. Together we stand with all who understand what it means to be born and built from the land. Because this is the city we love and the game we believe in. And together we are all Cleveland Guardians. Um, you probably went to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. The uh, the, the music seriously. We're going to defend it. We're the Guardians. There's no towers in Cleveland. I've been to Cleveland. There's no towers. There's no trees. You got the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And according to Glenn Kuyper, the greatest dive bar of all time, <laughs> Little Johnny's behind Johnny's. Johnny's is the restaurant. You go in the back alley and there's Little Johnny's. And I've been there with the great Glenn Kuyper. And we watch Warriors. Uh, NBA final game there from Little Johnny's. There's nothing going on in Cleveland. What are you guarding? You're guarding nothing. He's, I mean, you think he's ever even been to Cleveland? I, I said yes. I think the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, that's really about it. Got the land in. See, they got the land. You I mean, know, I did that bit on my old talk show where I did, you know, because, you know, back when the, I was doing Warriors pre and post and, and LeBron was all about the land. So I started, started to say, you know, it's all about, the Ho, Vallejo. You know, I started doing that. I'm trying to think. Uh, All about the more, Livermore, Vamita, Alameda, the Jose, San Jose. How about? All, and then you go Ho for Lake Tahoe. It's all about the you know. So I, I I had that bit that I did years ago. What was the one when they won the title and he yelled, "Cleveland, this is for you." And then he left. And I'm leaving again, and I'm going to L.A. because I got a house there. My kids are going to school there, and I'm getting the hell out of here. And actually, I'm not really from Cleveland. I'm from Akron. Yeah. So is Steph Curry, apparently. Apparently, Curry was born there. So you can make that debate. But anyway, uh, so the Guardians will be the Don't new name. Don't go down who's the greatest player to ever come out of Akron. <laughs> Akron, Ohio. Akron, better known for the Zips and football. Oh, there you go. Hey, that's Maction for all any for all you college football fans. Hey, uh, something I wanted to bring up. So to let everybody know, so Cleveland will be the Indians till the end of the year, and then they will become the Guardians. I don't know what, what was I at Disneyland or Universal Studios. There's some kind of Guardians. That's like a show, right? It's the Guardians of the Galaxy. It's a Marvel thing. It's a Marvel movie. And explain that to 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 me. Uh, it's a it's a part of the Marvel universe. Um, their characters, so they're superheroes. Yeah, it's with like Chris Pratt, aka Scott Hatterberg, and Moneyball plays uh, Star Lord, and <laughs> Batista plays. Uh, I forget his character's name. It, it's extremely tough to play first base. Yeah, tell him, watch. It's a, it's incredibly hard. Uh, so that's like they're they're it's those are cool. They're good movies. And they're part of like the they're not I would say they're like they're part of like the expanded universe, but they're all part of the Marvel 
They're all part of the Avengers, uh, the Avengers movies. So, so who is it? Is it Disney or Universal? Where I saw the, that the, you see, you would have seen it at Disney, at, at Disneyland, or, or California okay. Adventure, wherever they they put that ride in. All I know is this: I figured out at Universal Studios. This was pre-COVID. Harry Potter Land, pretty cool. If you're a Harry Potter fan, I've seen them all. My kids have read the books. My wife's read the books. They loved it. But the Harry Potter ride, I figured out going, huh, you can do the single rider. So you come out of the ride and they put you, obviously, have you, have you done that? Have you done the Harry Potter ride? Uh, I've never been to Universal. I've been to California Adventure and Disneyland, but never Universal. I think of a nerd alert. You're, you're on that nerd alert. You really haven't done the Harry Potter ride? I've never been to Universal, so I've, I can't say I've done it. Okay, so they're, they're brilliant, right? So you get done with the ride, and you it brings you out into the gift shop, right? And there's this super long line. But then I noticed from the gift shop where the lockers are that there's a hallway that's the single rider line. And so I said to my family, I said, hey, let's just see what's the worst they're going to do. They're going to turn us away. So we walked through, you know, excuse me, and the people got to move from this long, like, two-hour line, and you roll right up to the single rider, and we did see We rode that ride, like, 40 times, and it's such a herky-jerky ride. My neck was killing me, but uh, you always have to figure out, if they're going to give you the option for the single rider, you do it once as a family, and then after that, you do single rider, and you can, I mean... Uh, you can do a lot of rides over and over and over again. Just a little tip from Uncle Townie here if you're ever going to Universal Studios or Disneyland. It is a big key. So Gardens, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. All right, so they're going to play off that. You like it? I mean, here, 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 Commander, you had your chance to pick any name. You can have any name. You can be anything you want as an organization. This is your brand going into the future. You can have the coolest name, the coolest design. You can rebrand yourself. You can have the coolest icon. You can do it. The best they came up with Guardians. You like it? Um, I don't mean I don't hate it. I mean I'm. I think you could have. I mean I think you could have done better. But I mean, I mean at least it's better than the Cleveland baseball team. I mean, look. I mean, look at the look at the look at Washington. They're still the Washington football team. Years later, they still haven't decided on a name. From the article I read, the organization spent most of the year windling down a list of potential names that was nearly 1,200 just a month ago. But the process, which the team said included 140 hours of interviews with fans, community leaders, front office personnel, and survey of surveys of uh, 40,000 fans, quickly accelerated in the club land and on Guardians. This is now the fifth name. In franchise history, joining the Blues in 1901, the Bronchos in 1902, the Naps from 1903 to 1914, and the Indians from 1915 till 2021. The Naps? Yeah. As in, like, I'm taking a nap? Yeah, uh, just N-A-P-S, Naps. Wouldn't that be, you know, your logo is a guy sleeping. <laughs> let, me, let, me, let me see what their logo was. Cleveland Naps. Oh, I mean, I'm just saying, you, you 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 could pick anything you wanted, and this is what you pick, the Guardians. Now, it still has part of Indians in it. Maybe that's 
Why? Because I can tell you there's people in Cleveland who are not happy about this. So when I was in Cleveland in 2019, there were Cleveland employees that were not happy that they had to change their name because if you've grown up in Cleveland, they're the Indians. And I understand everything behind it and what's going on, but there's still a lot of people there who are not happy that this is changing. But maybe playing off the comics and why not just call them the superheroes? It's basically what you're what you're calling them. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know where they got. I mean, I, I, I get where they landed on. There's a part on the bridge in Cleveland that looks like guard, like, that looks like it's guarding the city. I mean, I guess I get that part, but I don't. It's Cleveland. I'm not supposed to like Cleveland. I don't care. Cleveland's the rival to Pittsburgh. Um, I'll never understand that city. I'll never like it. Yep. Cleveland is a rival of Pittsburgh. Yeah. You, well, you know, Browns and Steelers, Pirates and Indians. Uh, I don't remember the Browns ever winning anything. How could they be a rival to the Steelers? That's true. I don't know. They play up that rivalry like it's the biggest uh, thing ever. Oh, I don't. I really don't. I don't remember. This is Monday Night Football and the biggest rivalry in football, the Browns versus the State. I don't remember that. You don't. You don't. You don't remember what happened in the playoffs last year? The Browns went up twenty-eight nothing in the playoffs against the Steelers. Uh, that's everyone in Pittsburgh. Don't they'll never forget that one. I don't remember that being a big rivalry. Unless Brian Sipe is walking through that door back in the day. <laughs> and that actually, they played some big games against the Raiders. Uh, I, what do you want to do here? Are we going to Alex Jensen? Because I've got some notes on this A's bullpen right now that should excite a lot of people. I think we get to Alex, do Bob, and then do the notes on the bullpen. Because it'll be, it, there is good Sergio Romo's been awesome. I mean, I've got some notes on Sergio. I, I don't know if you listened to the postgame show last night, but when I was filling out the uh, the Bible and I'm putting Sean Manaya with the win, seven and six, and then I'm flexing with the loss. Actually, I like him. He's pretty good. Uh, Bay Area kid, nine and four. And then I put down for the save, Lou Trevino, number 16. Lou Trevino has 16 saves. Yeah. That's, I mean, I was like, I was kind of blown away. I was like, wow, I didn't even think about that. He's got... 16 saves with more than two months of baseball left to play. If I was said at the start of the season, Lou Trevino over 30 saves on the year, what would you have said? Uh, well, I would have thought Trevor Rosenthal would have had 30 saves, but uh, that obviously isn't going to happen. So I'm happy for Lou, college rival, but um, it makes you wonder like, what if, you go, if the team goes out and tries to get a Kimbrell or Kendall Graveman, what happens to the close role? Do you keep Blue in the role, or do you put Kimbrell in that role? So it's very interesting debate that'll happen. But totally, um, totally can get to that stuff after Bob, and also that Dominican summer league game that we talked about last night. The twenty-two oh to twenty. I, I did some. I did. I ran some numbers because that game took six hours and thirty-five minutes to play. All right. How long is Alex? Fourteen minutes. Well, we don't have time. Okay. Because Bob's in. 11 minutes, right? Let's, let's play Alex after Bob then. Okay, we'll play Alex after Bob. Uh, can you get the breaking news sounder out? Uh, I have just got a little push content from the MLB app that I think is going to shock people. Wait, it's not the Rich Hill trade? It's something bigger? It, this is way bigger. Okay. Like, we... This is something you would never even believe. All right, here we go. Since we are a league 
of 30 teams. And we like to promote all 30 teams, right? We like to promote all of these young stars. We have so many young stars, great swagger, love to watch them. They're entertaining. They're fun to watch. They're must-see TV. You got to get them on, right? Wouldn't you think that? I mean, you got a guy in Shoei Otani that's doing something that no human being has ever done before. You've got you got Fernando Tatis wearing a chain with the Padre thing, you know, the Padre emblem. You got Vladimir Guerrero Jr. hitting home runs. You got Boba Shett picking him up. They're having a great time. Everybody's bat flipping. Everybody push content from the MLB app. After a thrilling game last night, Xander Bogarts, Rafael Devers, and JD Martinez lead the Red Sox versus Yankees ace Garrett Cole on right now on the MLB Network. No. No. We're going to get to see Yankees Red Sox again? Yeah. I mean, seriously. God. I, it's, it's at a point I don't watch the games because it makes me angry. And, and I could be completely wrong, but just I am so tired of baseball shoving these two teams down our throat as much as they possibly can. Like, I get it. There's more people on the eastern seaboard than there are on the west. I get it. The northeast has the most amount of people in the country. I get it. It's the oldest part of the country. I get it. But do you think everybody else is like us? Like, if you're in Kansas City or Houston or Arizona or Seattle or Minnesota or you're like, really? You, you, you got to show us Yankees, Red Sox again? It's not like the Yankees are all that great. They're not. Newsflash. <laughs> and these games are like four-hour games. They're not. You think that's thrilling? You think you want me to sit here for four and a half hours to watch these two teams again play the slowest baseball you can possibly play? Well, I. What, what do you You think of Pittsburgh? If you go back home, people are like, oh, my God, Yankees-Red Sox again. Cannot wait. Uh, no, well, they don't watch the Pirates play either, so I don't know what they're watching. But Jeff Passon put out a tweet earlier, and I almost responded to it because I was, I guess I was triggered by it. But he said, between the intensity of Dodgers-Padres games earlier this year and the splendor of the Giants-Dodgers series this week, which was really good, uh, Kenley Jansen booed off the field and booed coming onto the field in this series, uh, the National League West is a showpiece of, the National, of, the, of Major League Baseball right now. The fight down the stretch should be glorious, and the three are all aggressive trade deadline shoppers. If it's the showpiece of Major League Baseball, how come the Dodgers-Giants wasn't the uh, the showcase game on MLB Network last night? Why was it Yankees-Red Sox? If, if, if Dodgers-Giants is so great, why aren't we getting that on national TV? Why are we getting Yankees-Red Sox? The Yankees, who are fighting for fourth place in their own division— why? Why are we? Why do I don't need to see Jordan Montgomery or a guy that just got DFA pitching for the Yankees? But when, when I can see the Dodgers and and Giants play, the Giants are the best team in the, in the National League, and they weren't supposed to be here. Yet I have to see the Yankees thrown out every single day with Aaron Judge, a hobbled Giancarlo Stanton, Luke Voigt's not even playing. Did you I, see the broadcast last night? Uh, no, I didn't watch it. Uh it it, it, it it's almost like a relic. And I hate to say this because I have the utmost respect. He's a bad cliche, but I'm going to go there. If there's a Mount Rushmore of sports personalities on television, 
Bob Costas is going to be on there. Bob Costas is one of the greatest broadcasters of all time. Uh, he's Mr. Olympics. It's the biggest event. There's nothing bigger. Um, nobody's better than Bob Costas. And Jim Cott, who they make a great duo, but I just thought this last night. Yankees, Red Sox, Bob Costas, Jim Cott. I went, this is like playing to the 65 and up club. And I hate to say that, but I mean, come on. Yankees, Red Sox, and it's Bob Costas rolling out Bob. I'm just going to check to see how old Bob is. Bob is, he's only 69? Okay, but let's see. Jim Cott. He's 82. He's 82. I mean, if you're trying to play to a new audience, if you're trying to play these kids who play MLB The Show, you're rolling out Yankees Red Sox with Bob Costas and Jim Cott. I'm just saying. Is that, is that, do you think, you think young kids even know, I mean, no offense to Jim Cott, but yeah, he's 82 years old. It, it, it's these guys, I'll never forget, Buster was, um, Buster Olney and his podcast, Baseball Tonight. And he was interviewing the guy who sets the schedule for Sunday Night Baseball. And obviously, Buster is on Sunday Night Baseball. And he was talking about how they set the schedule. You can only have so many teams. And Buster, in a roundabout way, wanted was trying to say, yeah, but we sure have Yankees-Red Sox a lot. <laughs> so whatever the max is for two teams to be on Sunday Night Baseball, there's only two teams that hit that max. That's the Yankees and the Red Sox. Not the Mets. I mean, you look at other East Coast teams. You can look at Mets, Phillies, whatever. There's only two teams that hit the max for Sunday night baseball on ESPN. And that's the Yankees and the Red Sox. I bet you are not shocked by that. Uh, not at all. And I mean, I, I understand because it's one of the oldest rivalries and people on the East coast, the Yankees and Mets and the Eastern seaboard and the fan bases and all that. But I, I just, for us, we don't care. And for, for everyone to talk about how great the NL West is, if it's so great, then put them on TV. Like, it's great that Sunday Night Baseball this week is Brewers-White Sox. Like, it's two teams that no one really gets to see. You get the, the exciting players on the White Sox, you, you know, that are, that are going to get to see, like Jose Abreu, Tim Anderson, Liam, players like that. It sucks you're going to have to see Eloy Jimenez and that, but you're going to see new players you're not going to see. It's not going to be Yankees, Red Sox, or Cubs, Cardinals for every weekend like we have been seeing. Coming up next, it's the Bob Melvin Show right here on A's Cast Live. A's fans, join us for the biggest music festival in the fall. It's the inaugural Battle Axe and Tracks Music Festival, held October 2nd and 3rd in Carson City, Nevada. Grammy Award nominees Kenny Wayne Shepard, Larkin Poe, Samantha Fish, and North Mississippi All-Stars are just four of the 15 acts. Festival activities also include axe throwing and freedom rail bike tours. Tickets on sale now with VIP two-day and single-day tickets available. Check out the full schedule at BattleAxeandTracks.com. That's BattleAxeandTracks.com. 
Former A's knuckleballer and Astros radio analyst Steve Sparks was on A's Cast Live and did his best impression of Chris Townsend and the minor league report. All right, Vinny, before we get back, I got a little update for you. We got guys in Midland, and, and in particular, it's Tim Donahue, utility infielder. And you're not going to believe this, but it's the last six games for Donahue that stick out. How about this? He's got a homer. He's got a double. He's hitting 286 and two sacrifice flies, three RBIs. And his kidney's sitting down. Make sure Korak doesn't hear this. And make sure Fossey doesn't hear it. But listen to this. Donahue now tied for fourth in sacrifice hits in the entire Texas League. What are they waiting on? To listen to the full interview and much more, go to athletics.com slash A's cast. Hey, A's fans, want to get away? Southwest Airlines has you covered. Southwest Airlines offers direct flights from Oakland to Hawaii, where you can catch some rays, ride the waves, or relax on the beach. Not a Rapid Rewards member? Sign up for free today to earn points when you fly. Learn more at southwest.com. Southwest Airlines, an official partner of the Oakland A's. Streaming from the town, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. So you uh, you thought that was funny, huh? That's probably my second favorite promo we've ever made. Did you send that to Sparksy? Uh, I will. I'll have to text. I'll have to text it to him later. Yeah. Uh, it, it it says I had Alex record that promo. Today. He's like, I owe you a couple promos. The other one was the Marty Laurie one that uh that uh Marty called you a treasure, which uh, I'll play next. <laughs> I'll play next break. I'm a treasure. Yeah. So I'm right, calling Bob for you. Love me some Marty Laurie though. Yeah, well, well, we'll talk to we'll see Mar- uh, maybe we'll see Marty at the Coliseum when the Giants come to town. When is that? Uh, August. Hello, Bob Melvin. How are you? All right. How are you? We are doing well. It is the Bob Melvin Show brought to you by NessBetting.com. And Skip, you know, I, I, I was talking earlier on our show today how I was writing in my scorebook and after the game and putting Mania for the win and next, you know, Trevino, I'm like, Lou Trevino has 16 saves. I was like, wow, that's kind of shocking. But just talk about what Lou's been able to do for your ball club, sell it down there in the ninth inning. Yeah, not only that, you look at the saves, you look at the ERA, you look at everything else. And, you know, from the beginning of the season, we were kind of splitting it up a little bit with he and Deke. And, and you know, in the last, you know, month or so, maybe month and a half, it's been, it's been Lou. And yesterday's game, you know, he's going to get all lefties and, pretty much did and you know he's getting ground balls and and just you know pitching how he needs to pitch to to close out a game and he's been you know one of the better guys in the American League so I think he's uh, kind of flown under the radar as uh, so to speak as, as you would suggest and you totally understand if a guy starts playing well it doesn't matter if he's a pitcher if he's a hitter he's going to get his opportunities and you can just tell the way you're using Sergio Romo, you've gained a lot of confidence with him to pitch in big games. Talk about what Sergio's been able to do for you. Yeah, it's a lot of confidence, and rightly so. I mean, you know, he's pitching with so much confidence right now, and he's, you know, he just oozes it out there, and you can just sense it on the mound, you know, where he's come from at the beginning of the year to the role that he's we're being, you know, using him now. 
you know, not only are we using them late in games, using them in the middle of the order, we're bringing him in to get big outs with runners on base too. So, you know, it gives me another guy with Diekman and Petit that I'm able to, you know, either go to late in games when we're ahead and or come in and clean up some traffic. So Sergio has been a, a welcome addition here and pitching better as the season goes along. He's doing some of his best work probably he's done in quite some time when, you know, he's a world champion three times. So uh, he's definitely deserving the work that he's getting right now. You know, we were talking about it last night on the postgame show, the A's Clubhouse show. And, you know, whether it's just Merrill Petit or Sergio Romo, these hitters now today are so conditioned for such high velocity, 95 plus, sometimes well over triple digits. And then all of a sudden you're bringing in these two guys that throw under nine. They're throwing under 90 miles an hour. How tough do you think that is for hitters, modern day hitters to see right-handed pitchers that don't have great velocity? Yeah. You know, I guess it's probably up for debate. I mean, you know, a lot of organizations, that's all they target are guys that throw hard and guys that miss bats. You know, Romo with his slider certainly misses some bats, but in, in the case of Yuzmero, he just misses the barrel is what he does. So he gets you hit it off the end of the bat and or, uh, you know, come inside and get you to, to, to be a little bit late on what he does. He hides the ball really well, but both these guys are effective and that's really all that counts uh, when you're looking to get out. And, and both these guys pitch with a lot of confidence and you know, without the 95, 98, 100 mile an hour fastballs that you're seeing. They're just a little bit different. And you know what? Whatever works, works. And these guys have been terrific for us. You know, we've, we've had the slogan, ride the wave. And it's so interesting, a baseball season. It's so long. You know, we, we the old cliche, it's a roller coaster ride. You got your ups, you got your downs. And when you're managing during a season, sometimes your offense is hot. Sometimes your starters are going deep in games. Sometimes your bullpen gets hot and sometimes none of them are working. What is that like managing throughout the season when you know there's certain aspects of your team that are good, there's certain aspects of your team that are not good, and you got to you got to manage this chaos of good and bad. What is that like? Well, you know, that's that's kind of what you what you're hired for, so you know, you have to identify what's going good, what's not at particular times and like you said, whether it's the starters that need to go a little bit deeper in the games, if the bullpen's vulnerable, if it's the bullpen that's pitching good and the starters are a little worn out, uh, you know, certainly mixing and matching in lineups and, and, and pinch hitting in certain leveraged uh, spots, it's, it's never the same. You're exactly right. I think a lot of people expect guys to just be the same throughout the course of the season, but it's never like that. I mean, you got guys that go through, through, through slumps, you hit them down in the order a little bit, guys are swinging well, you bring them up a little bit. So it's a day-to-day process where you're trying to not only put the best lineup you can out there in a particular day, but also the best complement of pitching, depending on how the staff is going at a particular time. And it, it fluctuates and it is different the entire season. Well, yeah. And then, you know, when you're dealing with human beings, they've got real world problems, just like the rest of us. And, you know, a guy, a guy's wife could be pregnant and about to have a baby and he's got a lot on his mind. I mean, uh, just talk about how the day to day, knowing the pulse of your club and how to manage your club, just not only what's happening in between the lines, but what's happening outside the ballpark. Yeah, that's a good point. We, you know, we have a pretty tight knit club here and we've had a core group here for, for three years now. And the guys that we brought in, if you look around a diamond and look in our bullpen and, you know, we had a lot of veteran guys and, and maybe not 15 year veteran guys, but, you know, for us, 
guys that are four or five years or, or veteran guys on this team. So you get to know them pretty well. You get to know what makes them tick and how they are during the course of the season. My coaching staff is fantastic and, and always being on top of, of the pulse of how our guys are doing at a particular time. Like you said, if someone's struggling, has some issues at home and or, you know, you know sometimes confidence levels. So you really rely on the coaching staff, whether it's the, you know, the hitting coaches when guys are in the cage, whether it's, you know, the pitching coaches when, when you're around you know, with guys with bullpens and so forth and, and the training staff as well. So, you know, it's, it's, you know, some, some of the guys, the sports staff uh, and such don't get the credit that they deserve and that, you know, you know, they're, they're, they're part of this whole thing. And, and, you know, on a day-to-day basis, they have a really good pulse of the team. So, I think that's one thing we do very well around here with continuity, with whether it's the coaching staff, whether it's the front office and the guys that we have around, we feel like we have a pretty good pulse on our guys. You know, at this point, I expect Sean Manaya and Chris Bassett to go out and, and give you innings and compete the way they do. But the back of your rotation right now, I mean, you get Cole Irvin from Philadelphia for, for cash. James Caprellian, you get from the Yankees. He's hurt. But obviously, he was a first-round pick. He was a 16th overall pick. So they saw him as a as a front-line starter. What you're getting out of your rotation and your four and five guys, nobody else in baseball is getting to this uh, or getting that kind of production. Talk about that with your rotation, especially your four and five guys. Yeah, and when you're when your four and five guys are giving you seven and going into the ace sometimes because of their pitch counts, it just means that everyone you run out there on a particular day, your team has a lot of confidence that you're going to win. And, you know, we have not swung the bats the way we have been, you know, we're capable of here for the better part of maybe a month and a half now. But when we run a starter out there, guys think, hey, we got a chance to win this game, even if you're down offensively. So can't say enough about what Cole's given us. And, and James Caprillion has just been a godsend for us. We had no idea what we were going to get for him. And, and to be as durable as he's been for a guy that hasn't pitched in, in quite some time, you know, we try to be careful with him just because we want to get him through the season. I had to explain that to him the other day. He wanted to go back out for the seventh inning and potentially <laughs> throw 120 pitches. And I said, hey, look, it's my job to get you through the season. But his competitive bone takes over, and he really wants to go out there and get further in the game. But what we're getting out of James Caprillion right now, I, we, nobody could really forecast and envision what he's meant for us and this team, and his numbers speak for themselves. But what's so interesting is that this is not a guy off the scrap heap. I mean, when the Yankees drafted him, they thought this guy could be an ace-like pitcher. I mean, you get picked in the first round, middle of the first round. Some people thought he could have been a a top 10 guy out of UCLA. I mean, this is what people projected for him. So that's what I try and tell everybody, and especially in our postgame show, is like, Bob, this is what people expected him to be, and he's finally healthy, and he's living up to it. He is, and and I think his competitiveness really is is his biggest attribute. I mean, this guy is is steely out there on the mound now, and you you know for a young guy, when he gets some traffic out there, he a lot of times throws his best pitches and and you know some of his best work. So you don't normally see that out of an inexperienced guy that he gets into some trouble, and now you're looking to get the bullpen up and get him out of trouble. He he gets out of his own trouble, his own mess. So. Um, yeah, this is what was expected of him. It's taken a while, and we, you know, with the with the injuries, you're, you're never really sure what you're going to get for him, get from him. But man, he is living up to to the expectations when he was drafted. It's just taken a little while to get there. 
if there ever was a league that you can't trust the numbers, it's AAA right now. I can't trust what the hitters are doing. I can't trust what the pitchers are doing. It's just you're pitching in the desert. You're pitching in elevation. You're hitting in elevation. So it's just I, I don't know what to think when I look at the aviators' numbers. But when you look at A.J. Puck and Jesus Lazardo, I know you get asked about this all the time. Do you envision them helping you at all down the stretch and and would that be his relievers at this point? I do, and I, I probably so, though, especially the way the starters are going right now. And, you know, at a time when everybody's looking, uh, you know, to make some trades before the trade deadline, I think we really have some high-profile guys with electric stuff that are, you know, in, in AAA for us right now. You're exactly right. It is impossible to uh, to really evaluate, especially pitching uh, it, 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 in Vegas and – you know, when they're pitching well, it means they're pitching really well because it feels like any ball that gets up in the air there is going to get a chance to be a home run. I, could you imagine major league hitters there on an everyday basis in, in Vegas? So, I, I, you know, I really don't I, – I, the, the valuation process with, with Vegas for me is if they're pitching well, they're pitching really well. So, A.J.'s been doing it for a while. Uh, Lazardo had a really good outing last time, and I expect them to be part of this thing before it's all said and done. Well, can you imagine catching a three and a half hour game in a hundred and ten degree heat? Yeah, I think that some of those games are four hours. Looking at the score, they almost look like football scores, um, and and it's pretty consistent that way too. And when we talked our, you know, Fran down there and and some of our, uh, you know, our, our development guys, it's it is a grind. It's like it's like playing in Colorado every day, and you just have to be patient and know that some runs are going to be scored. So. It's a different different type of managing uh, in Vegas. What's it like for you around the trading deadline when, I mean, you don't know. I mean, obviously the A's are in a great spot where they're going to be buyers, not sellers. I, I know the front office talks to you. I mean, but in the end, you don't know who could be coming, who could be going. What is that like for you? It's really, it's easy because I never expect anything. and I And I love our team the way it is. And Billy and Dave have been really good about, you know, finding additions, to, you know, toward the, you know, the trade lines, trade deadline and so forth. But I never expect it because, you know, when you expect something and you don't get it, it you know, it can be a it can be a bit of a shot. So um, I always expect us to have the team that we have right now. And if they make additions for us, great. And typically they do. Let's end on this. And I know watching that unbelievable catch by Chapman to end the game against the Angels, watching him leg out the base hit last night. I mean, obviously, he's got to be healthy, but he continues to struggle with the bat. Where are we with Matt Chapman and how do you get him going? Well, you know, there was a period where he did. You know, you look up, he's got, I think he might be third or fourth in our team in RBIs. I think he's got 42 RBIs. So there have been periods when he's been productive. He always brings his glove out there. He always brings leadership qualities out there. He always hustles and, and finds a way to be part of a win. And I, I look at it as that we know this guy's going to get going again at some point. And, and if he does, that just means our, our lineup's lengthened out and, and we're going to get more production. So, um, you know, he's working hard to try to get some consistency. He's gone back and forth with some mechanics and, you know, certainly a lot's been talked about last year coming off a, a hip injury and, and how difficult that, that can be. But he has shown us some some periods this year. He's been productive for us, and I expect that to happen again. Great stuff as always. Enjoy the weekend, and we'll talk to you in Anaheim. Yes, sir. Sounds good, Tony.
The Bob Melvin Show brought to you by nestbedding.com. That's nestbedding.com. Use the coupon code Oakland. Now you can go to their stores in the Bay Area or go online, nestbedding.com. Use the coupon code Oakland to get 10% off your entire order. Mattress, pillows, bedding needs, whatever. Go to nestbedding.com. The Bob Melvin Show right here on A's Cast and A's Cast Live. Man, we haven't had the skipper on live in a long time. We're always taping. And on Saturdays. So it's the <laughs> and first on time. Saturdays. Yeah, it's the first time we've had Bob on live in a while. We're so lucky to have him. I mean, it, it, it is, it's, you don't understand how tough these things can be. Right? When you got a guy that doesn't want to do it, uh, I think a great example is our, uh, He's not a friend of the pro. Maybe we could make him a friend of the program. And I will always like him and respect him. That's the great Jim Harbaugh. A's fan, Jim Harbaugh. A's fan who's friends, very good friends with Bob Melvin. A lot of people may not know that. Harbaugh Harbaugh has been around the A's more than you think. And Harbaugh, because he and Ian Harbaugh grew up same time. You know, what, what Bob was Menlo Park, Harbaugh was Palo Alto. They grew up together, basically, same time. But I don't think they knew each other. They might know each other. I don't know. Never asked them. But, like, Bob's been back to University of Michigan games. Like, Bob was around the 49ers constantly when Harbaugh was the head coach. Maybe we need to get Harbs on the program. Talk a little A's baseball. And he won't do, the, like, the one interview I did with him. Hypotheticals. Well, uh, but remember when he was on KMBR? His weekly show on KMBR was brutal. Well, it was hard to do. Th- this isn't him, but Jesus Cesardo channeled once channeled his uh, inner Jim Harbaugh. That's what I mean. We've been just saying iron sharpens iron. I mean, at the end of the day. <laughs> oh, back when I was on 95.7 the game, I had this whole Harbaugh. So on the computer, I could go to all my all, all my sound bites. I had I had a whole page of Harbaugh. I, you know what they, you know, we should sneak into 95 7 the game and steal all my old uh, sound bites. Well, I think I have, I have. I think I have. I have. I have pages of Harbaugh. I think I have some of them still on a, on a flash drive somewhere. With a shovel and a sword, we'll build this new stadium. <laughs> what was the one uh, with, with uh, Abraham Lincoln coming down with a, with a top hat and a frock or something like that? He, he had some really good one liners. Hey, it's in, the con- it's in the Constitution, Tim. Hey. You know, one of the best ones is like, hey, we're the 49ers. We can do whatever we want. (laughs) It's going to get real, real, real fast. That was at the draft. Oh, my God. All right. Yeah. Was it yesterday or two days ago? Uh, It was yesterday. In my my office, we spoke with him. Wow. You've heard him here host A's Cast Live. He used to to do A's all night. And now he is the voice of of the Stockton ports and the ports are kind of important right now because that's where really our best prospects are and the future of the A's here is the voice of the ports, the great Alex Jensen. Well, the Stockton ports are in town. That means the great Alex Jensen is in San Jose as the ports are taking on the San Jose giants. How are you, buddy? Tony, I'm good. It's good talking to you. So you're in for a, uh, wait for it, a six-game set. <laughs> they are all six-game sets this season. 
<laughs> but the, the kicker is every Monday is off. So I was looking at our 2020 schedule before that season obviously got canceled, and there was a stretch of like five weeks or six weeks where we had one off day before the All-Star break. So I think we'll gladly trade in the three-game, four-game uh, series for an off day every week. You know, I was wondering, and have you seen it yet, where at some point you get tired of playing a certain team, right? Whether it's a three-game set, four-game set, but a six-game set, especially if you've had a dust-up early in the series, have you seen any of that yet? Yeah, actually, you know what? With the Giants, the Giants have already played three series at Banner Island Ballpark in Stockton. So of our first 24 games in Stockton, 18 came against the Giants. And there was one game where I wouldn't really call it a dust-up, but it was almost like a bat flip competition. Uh, like Luciano hit one out to left field, carried his bat halfway to first, threw it up in the air. Lawrence Butler hits a grand slam, flings his bat up in the air. Tyler Soderstrom hits a home run, does the same thing. I, I, was, asking, I was actually asking Lawrence Butler about this. He was like, no, nah, man, we're just having fun. I mean, it's just it's crazy how that part of the game has changed a little bit, where those guys are just like, they're not taking it as offense like the bat flips and stuff like that, you know. That's what it, it, it seems like to me. I think they're just having fun with each other. You know, who can outdo the other guy's bat flip? Um, but, yeah, to answer your question, I mean, I know the San Jose Giants almost as well as I know the Stockton Ports at this point. I mean, this is tonight is game 69. This will be our 21st game against San Jose. Wow. Yeah. That's – it's almost like an alternate site playing an alternate site. You're just playing each other over and over again. By the way, I wish I could go back in time. And I would – I'd be like Justin Turner. I'd have my jersey like halfway open. I'd have the big <laughs> chain, the big rope. And if I hit a home run, that thing would just be slapping off my chest. I love how these guys are pimping everything these days. Well, one thing I love about it is, like I said, I mean, you know, no one's taking offense to it. I mean, I haven't seen anybody get drilled. Um, you know, it's just they're having fun, which, I mean, that's the direction that a lot of, I think a lot, everybody wants to see baseball moving is for the guys to show their joy, to show their character, you know, like Fernando Tatis does in the big leagues or what have you. I think this younger generation is really doing that. So you've been seeing a lot of scouts from other teams around the ballpark. Hmm, must be <laughs> trading deadline time. Busy time for those guys. Actually, you know what? I, I ran into uh, one of the guys that coached me in college at St. Mary's is now a scout with the Cubs, and he's been around uh, in San Jose this week. He's an amateur scout, but they have him, you know, on the on the Giants and the Ports for this week, and it's been fun catching up with him. But, yeah, there's been – our last series with Fresno, I don't think there were many scouts, but all year and especially lately, there, there's been – I mean, in San Jose – Probably 10, 15 yesterday, sitting behind home plate. Well, yeah, obviously. I mean, we're, we're, we're at that point to where they're all really talking right now, and it's going to be interesting. Soderstrom is a special kid. You know, we've had him on the program. You and I have talked about, you know, I, I know his dad a little bit playing against him in college and then uh, having a few beers with him when he was the yeah. number one pick for the San Francisco Giants, uh, as I did the San Jose Giants back in the day. Uh, just talk to us about this bat. He seems like he's very, very special. Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing that stands out to me about Tyler is it's hard for me to believe that he was playing high school baseball last year. Just <laughs> the body, you know, he looks like a major leaguer in a uniform. Uh, he's a big dude. Uh, I remember shaking his hand for the first time. He's got 
huge hands. Uh, but as I mentioned, Townie, it's his approach is foul line to foul line, and he's coming into some power now, especially to the middle of the field, which is encouraging. So he's got 11 home runs, and a lot of them have come like to either side of the hitter's eye. So, you, you know, he, his approach is through the middle. And I think once he learns to get his barrel out and once that becomes a part of his game where he's hitting balls to right field, driving balls to right field, you know, we've seen, seen that a couple times this year, but the power is really going to come. Um, and I, I've had a scout tell me that he's a 70-hit tool right now, which is <laughs> that's really impressive. And this league, I mean, is has got a lot of top prospects. Zach Veen was the number nine overall pick last year. Robert Hassel with uh, San Diego, he was eighth. Uh, the Mariners have a shortstop in Modesto named Noel V. Marte. I mentioned Luciano in, in San Jose. And Soderstrom is right there with those guys. I mean, he really holds his own. And all five of those guys I just mentioned, I saw Keith Law came out with his new top 50 today. All five of those guys that I just mentioned, with the exception of Soderstrom, he's not there yet. Uh, but they're all in his top 50. I think they're all in, like, the top 30. For me, the bat for Tyler is right there with all of those guys, if not, you know, more advanced. You know, we've been told from spring training that Poisson is a super talent. What have you seen in him so far? Well, I mean, the tools are definitely there. Speed, range, arm, it's all there. I think he's learning to play every day. You know, he's 18 years old. He's facing guys that were pitching at Cal Poly last year and, you know, Mississippi State. So he's still kind of going through the grind of, of playing every single day. And just like a lot of these guys are. I mean, Junior Perez is a guy that came over for Jorge Mateo. This guy has tools you can dream on. But all these guys are still getting used to, you know, being pitched different ways as the season goes along and just, you know, playing every single day. But for Poisson, all the tools are there, man. I mean, there was a pop-up behind third base. I think we were in San Bernardino about a month ago. And, you know, Rico Brogni, our manager, kind of explained it like he was a blur. I mean, I was focused on the left fielder coming in to make the play, and all of a sudden here comes the shortstop just like, you know, you're not even expecting it. All of a sudden he's there to make the catch. You know, and, and Rico Brogni was telling me about, hey, how, you know, how special it is when you teach a guy something and you watch him go out and do it. And I think that's what we're seeing with, with Poisson little by little, day by day. Um, but, again, you know, you look at his numbers, they don't jump off the page. He's still learning how to play every day. You know, I mean, what I didn't know before I got into this season, Townie, was that the Dominican circuit, before those guys were signed, it's like a showcase style of baseball. So they're not, he's not used to game situations uh, necessarily over the last few years. And he's getting used to that now. And I think that's what this year is all about for him. That's an amazing point. I know we were out last night in downtown San Jose and we were talking about this just to let the listeners know. Yes, the great Alex Jensen, I, and the commander, and his wonderful fiance. <laughs> We're down at Rookie Sports Bar in downtown San Jose throwing a, a few back. And it, th that is such an interesting point. Well, first of all, I mean, we can't even imagine being like 16 years old and having someone from a foreign, a foreign country roll in and say, here's $3 million. Now you're going to move the, to the United States. You don't speak the language. You're now a millionaire, but you're only 16 years old, and now you're going to be playing professional baseball. I, I mean, I don't think we truly understand what these kids go through. And I'm asking about a guy. Yeah, he's still 18 years old. Yeah. In a normal world, if he grew up here, he'd still be in high school. Exactly. Like, put yourself at 18 years old, right? Where were you at 18 years old? Were you facing guys that are pitching for their job that, you know, pitched in the College World Series last year? Probably not. And on top of that, you know, as you mentioned, 
throw in the fact that you're moving to a new country, you don't know the language wholly yet. I mean, he's, his English is getting better day by day, and it's it's actually pretty advanced for a guy that in his in a situation like that, like you know, more advanced than I would be. I mean, all these guys work really hard at their English, um, but uh, for all those factors that you mentioned, you know, I think it's impressive what these guys are doing right now. I mean, that's a that's a tough thing to 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 go through, and even just to think about, right? Is moving to a new country at 16, and really and having the the pressure of signing for that much money and then needing to perform day in and day out when it's your first time doing it you know i mean that's it's a great point you know when i was doing the san jose giants back in the day there was a couple guys that ended up getting to the big leagues so it, it was like two different things to look at there were guys that were playing well that you knew were never going to the big leagues, yeah. right? Like, like they, they were having a good year, but they were just guys that were there to play with the guys who are going to go to the big leagues. So when you look at the Stockton Ports, who are the guys that you look at that you say, you know what, I could actually see this guy playing for the Oakland Athletics? Yeah, I think, you know, you mentioned Soderstrom. And I do want to, you know, throw this disclaimer out there. This is my first year seeing, you know, doing this and seeing these guys. So it, it does take a little while to kind of figure out how the system works. Um, but, you know, you mentioned Soderstrom. I, I think that obviously, you know, we all know the big leagues are in all likelihood in his future. And, and Poisson. Uh, there's a few more guys, though, that I'll touch on. Junior Perez, the kid that came over for Jorge Mateo. He's just 21. Um, but he's got tools you can dream. You know, when I first read the scouting reports on this guy, Townie, you know, the scouting report was big corner outfielder, powers a carrying tool, good arm, doesn't run all that well. This guy flies. I mean, and his reads in the outfield are, are advanced. Like, you know, he plays a really good center field. He covers a lot of ground. He's got the arm. He's got the speed. He's got the power. You know, the hit tool is the one thing that that's still needs to come along. Um, Brian Buelvis is another one. He was at the A's um, alternate site. And, you know, I mean, he just has a really good feel for baseball. You want to talk about a guy that – and all these guys do, but with, with Buelvis, his, uh, he, I see him working on his English all the time, and it just tells me a lot about his character, you know. And, and the same thing with a lot of these guys. But Buelvis, you know, kind of sprays the ball all over the place. Um, not the same type of speed or tools as, as Perez, but all of his tools play up because he's got a high baseball IQ. And another guy that's not on the top 40, any of the top 40 lists that I could see and that a lot of scouts are, are talking, you know, are asking me about him is Lawrence Butler, who had two home runs last night. He drove in six. He leads the team in home runs. He's a left-handed hitter, first base, outfield, speed, power. And all these guys, super competitive. Like, they care about winning in low A ball, which has been really impressive to me um, because, like I said, first exposure to the minor leagues, right? I'm thinking most of these guys are in it for their numbers. No, they care about winning, and it's apparent when you watch them play, and Lawrence is, is certainly one of those guys, and he's a guy that I think – I know Melissa Lockhart's been, uh, you know, on him a little bit this year and, and retweeting a lot of his stuff, and, hey, you know, this is a name to pay attention to. No doubt he is, and he's, he just turned 21 as well. He was a sixth-round pick out of high school in Atlanta. Um, but he's got power, he's got speed, he runs the base as well. So those are a few guys that I think, you know, you could see playing in the major leagues one day. Let's end on this, because it's been a big transition for this league, because this was high A uh -huh. for so many years, where you were talking 
there weren't young prospects playing here. These were guys that were looking to, you know, the next step was double A. Some guys even went from high A to triple A. What's this transition been like from high A to low A for this league? Well, you know, I think there's it's just a little rougher around the edges, right? I mean, I was asking uh, our manager, Rico Bronia, about that, and he was telling me about each jump, you know. Uh, low A to high A is like a different world. High A to double A is a different world. Double A to triple A is like, you know, another world as well or another solar system, if you will, to put it in, the in you know, the space terms. And then triple A to the big leagues, he said, is like another galaxy, <laughs> which, was, which I thought was interesting. But, yeah, it's, it's just you have younger kids. Um, you know, and I, I only called a handful of games in high A, but those guys are a little bit more polished. You know, these guys have things that you can dream on in, in a lot of cases, in a lot of cases, excuse me, but it, it, they haven't put the whole package together yet. And once they start to do that over an extended period of time, you know, that's when they, they make that jump, it seems like. Or some of them young, you know. We talked about Soderstrom. He's going through playing every day all summer for the first time. So, you know, I, I think at this level you have younger guys and you want to see how they do during that grind, right? But that's I, I think that it's just a little bit rougher around the edges than high. Maybe a few more pass balls, wild pitches, errors, you know, but still a lot of talent on the field. Well, enjoy the rest of the series here in San Jose, and I'll see you on Monday in Stockton. That's right. Uh, the Reserve at Spanos Bay, 11 a.m., me and you, I'm ready to go. You ready? Are you if ready, Tony? Anybody wants to meet to meet us for drinks? We're going to be there at 11 a.m. on Monday. It's a day off. I'm bringing my credit card. I'm ready to rock. There you go. Well, you know I'll be there. So, like you said, anybody that wants to come out, please come on out. <laughs> All right, buddy. Have a good call tonight. All right, Tony. Good seeing you last night. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. We're playing a little golf on Monday with Alex Jensen. Aaron Goldsmith is going to join us, play-by-play man for the Seattle Mariners and also Fox Sports, where he does baseball nationally, and he also does college football, college. Well, he does basketball. Doesn't he do everything for them? Fox Sports won? Yeah, he's a pretty popular guy. Um, speaking of the minor leagues real quick, did you see the new rule they're doing? Uh, Major League Baseball is going to begin testing a new technology that allows catchers to electronically communicate signs of pitchers at one of the lower minor league levels, which is the Cal League. Hey, hey, if it speeds it up, I mean, did you? I, I didn't want to get into it, but did you watch last night's game? Oh, yeah, I did. Okay. There wasn't a run scored to the fifth inning. Then in the sixth inning, the A's scored again. Six innings, there's two runs. That's it. Just two runs scored. The game still went three hours and 23 minutes. How's that possible? You heard Glenn Kuyper say last night on the broadcast, this has grinded to a screeching halt. And he made the joke about the bacon advertisement in the back. Mm -hmm. How does a game that has just zero after zero after zero being put up on the board go over three hours? Well, I'm so not. whatever it takes to speed it up, I'm all for. Well, it's going to start on August 3rd, and that's the big goal. They want to speed up the games. And, that, that Dominican Summer League game between the Yankees and Mariners, six hours, 35 minutes, 13 total pitchers, 28 hits, 14 errors, eight wild pitches, two box. That's incredible. Yeah, that, that, I mean, <laughs> unbelievable. Aaron, how are you? Welcome back to Ace Cast Live. Hey, guys. Doing very well. How about yourself? Uh, we're doing well, and I was just talking about your credentials and everything you do. Uh, from the national standpoint, 
Where are you guys? Do you think you'll be back traveling? I don't know if it's for the baseball season or whether you're doing college football. When do you think you're going to get back with, with the national stuff and traveling? You know, for uh, Fox baseball this year, I would say probably, oh, roughly a half to three quarters of the games that were on Big Fox this year, we traveled. Uh, I did some still remotely from Seattle, but I did a, a number uh, on site in various ballparks around the league. And for football, uh, we are going to be on site every every weekend. So um, that is obviously great news. I think football kind of brings some logistics that make it maybe more complicated to do remotely, although we have done it remotely before. Uh, but it sounds like uh, football season, at least from what I can pick up on so far, will be kind of normal. Uh, at least more so than uh, it was last year, that's for sure. So good news in that regard. No doubt. I'm a huge college football fan, and I thought it was very interesting. The SEC said, hey, listen, if a team gets COVID, you forfeit and we move on. You're not stopping SEC football. That machine will keep going. That's incredible. That's amazing. Yeah, I, uh, I know. I know the NFL has come out with uh, their uh, updated policies, it sounds like, and, uh, it, it, and they echo similar sentiments, it sounds like. Maybe not right in lockstep, but uh, similar. And, yeah, you're right. There's uh, maybe some COVID fatigue going on, uh, which uh, with as far as we've come as a society, I guess, is maybe understandable. Yeah, it's going to be, you know, once college football hits and you're seeing these big-time games and you're seeing the crowds, I think that's going to be great. For, for a lot of us fans uh, watching, it's been great to have people in, in the ballpark. Just just for you, what has it been like as a broadcaster to have fans again there in Seattle? What has that been like? It's been remarkable, and I'm sure every every broadcaster in every ballpark would say something similar. It was funny before the All Star break, we the Mariners really had some great crowds. Uh, the team's been playing well, as you know. And we opened it up to full capacity, and there were crowds on some uh, weeknights that were in the neighborhood of 20,000 and change. And, man, it's amazing after you go, go a year of nothing, uh, 20,000 sounds like 40,000. I mean, it really does. I mean, it's helpful that the games were good and the, the crowd was really into it. Uh, but it's, it's, I don't think we'll ever look at a – full ballpark or a full arena the same again i hope we don't i hope we all can uh, maybe it'll be uh, easier said than done in 10 or 15 or 20 years from now but I, I hope even at that point in our life we won't remember we won't forget uh, what we went through as a society and uh and how much we missed having fans at the ballpark and the role that they play I mean, we hear that from players and managers alike it's, they are integral to, to the game experience and man it's great to have them back yeah, I've been doing this a long time, and, you know, when, when, when you get back to the Bay Area, you'll see where we do our show is right next to the dugout on the field, and the, for the first time ever, the players are like, it's great to see you. I've never had that happen <laughs> in my career. <laughs> yeah, you, I mean, do you think, like, fans or players actually miss being heckled a little bit? I would think so. Like, there is some charm involved with that, with being heckled. Uh, as long as they don't cross the line. So I'm sure uh, not being heckled in some ballparks maybe didn't quite feel like, uh, you know, the same big league experience for some of those guys. You know, I thought you guys, uh, Jerry DePoto, I thought you guys were, 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 were in a rebuild. What's going on there in Seattle? It's been pretty remarkable what they've been able to do. I think uh, I, I think there was a there was a path that you could 
could have possibly mapped out for the Mariners being where they are right now, both with wins and losses and at this point of the year. But for a couple of things, I think you'd have to squint a little bit to get there, right? And also, you would have had to have a lot of things happen that just simply have not happened for the Mariners so far this year. For example, like you would have probably had to have had Kyle Lewis, the reigning American League Rookie of the Year, be Kyle Lewis and be on the field. And he hasn't been. He's been on the aisle twice and has been on the aisle now for a considerable amount of time because of minor knee surgery. And they do plan on having him back again this year. You probably would have had to have Marco Gonzalez, the Mariners' opening day starter for the third straight season, pitching like Marco Gonzalez. He has also been on the injured list for a considerable amount of time this year for about a month. And when he has been healthy, he hasn't pitched to the level that we have seen in recent years. You probably would have had to have Jared Kelnick, uh, regarded as, you know, a, a top five prospect in baseball. You probably would have had to have him called up and playing like a rookie of the year candidate. And he was called up. He was sent down. He's now back with the ball club. And he has not hit to this point. Now, I don't think that's a huge concern. He just turned 22 years old. He's incredibly young. I think it was probably short-sighted of a lot of fans to think that he was going to become Juan Soto uh, within the first uh, 50 games of his big league career after missing a, a pandemic-shortened minor league season. But the list can kind of go on and on. But instead, it's been guys that you didn't expect. You've had some uh, guys who were signed on uh, non-roster invitee deals in spring training that have been major anchors in the Mariners' bullpen, like major, big pillars in the bullpen. Uh, and you've also had a rotation that's kind of come alive with the all-star season from Yusei Kikuchi, Logan Gilbert, a top prospect who's been nails. Uh, you'll see him in this series. Uh, you'll see him tomorrow, in fact. Uh, so there's been, it's just, it's, they've, they've done it in a way that no one could have predicted it happening. And to, to be where they are is, is pretty amazing, honestly. And I think about your ball club at 51 and 46 that they got to be buyers here at, at, at the trading deadline. If I would have said to you before the season, you're going to be buyers at the trading deadline, what would you have said? <laughs> I'd be excited, I suppose. You know, I think um, the, the Mariners, the sense I get is that they – Two fronts. They're, they're not willing to leverage long-term future for a rental. I think Jerry has made that fairly clear. Uh, but they are interested in adding to, a, to this core that they are building around for a player that they have control over for whatever a period of time is beyond this season. So if there is a player that fits that mold, whether it be at, at second base or right-handed bat, the Mariners are very left-handed heavy. Uh, at the plate or a starting pitcher, possibly. Uh, I'm, I know that they are exploring those areas, but it, the sense I'm getting is that it, it needs to be more than just a rental uh, because they're trying to build. They're, built, they're trying to build and win right now, and they are managing at this point in time to do that as we speak. Well, you know, Mitch Hanniger is a Bay Area guy, and we do not need to go back over his, uh, his injuries because some are pretty horrific. But just uh, – how great is it to see him playing again, being successful? Because he does have he does have such a bright future. He does, and he could have been an All Star this year. He was in that conversation. Uh, Gallo got that nod that it seems like would have gone to Mitch. And Gallo got hot at the right time, and is a great player, of course. 
but Mitch is, he is one of the major leaders on this team. And it feels like he has been from almost his earliest days. And the way that this roster has transformed, Mitch is among the more veteran players, certainly. Uh, he and Kyle Seeger are right there near the top for the position players. And he also performs. I mean, he's performing at an incredible level right now. And there, I don't know if there's a better player that you can have as a complete guy, both on the field with the production he gives, both in right field and specifically at the plate, but also uh, what he does in the clubhouse. He's the guy that's got service and raves about and has been doing so since the very beginning. You know, when that trade was made, Fangraphs had a, a really interesting article uh, when Gene Segura was a big piece that came over and the article is basically titled, this could be remembered as the Mitch Hanniger deal, not the Gene Segura deal. And we kind of laughed at that at the time because Mitch was a, a, an unknown. He really barely had any big league time. And now we definitely see it as a Mitch Hanniger deal, the way that, that he has played and, and the pillar that he has become uh, in this, in, with this ball club. You know what's so interesting is when a manager sticks around long enough, he starts racking up a lot of wins. And Scott Service, who is a really close friend of our own Vince Catronio, uh, he, he's approaching 400 career wins. Now he's behind Lou Pelini. I, I forgot Lou was there that long to have 840 wins. But just talk about Scott Service and the job that he's done. Well, first of all, it's been great for an organization to have the stability there in the manager's seat. This is an organization, it's easy to look up. Uh, there's been a lot of turnover in that manager's desk uh, over the years, and Scott has really stabilized that. It's been the same regime with Jerry as the GM and Scott as the manager uh, for some time now. And it's it has, you can feel that. Uh, there is definitely a a brand of baseball that they are trying to build around and a type of player that they are seeking. And both guys uh, are in agreement on that, which as we all know is very important. And so, but I think Scott has, uh, has continued to really model himself as a modern day manager. I think he is unique in the regard that he played for a decade in the big leagues at an important position, as we all know, to manage, he was a catcher. Uh, but beyond that, he has spent time as a scout. He has spent time in the front office. He was an assistant general manager before his time in the dugout with the Mariners. So he has, he has both sides. He has the on-field, the front office, uh, and he has very much an analytical mind. You can look at him and think that he's just an old-school catcher guy. Uh, and he is. He does have that. But even today, I was taken back again during his media session. He was talking about, uh, a Mariners reliever and his ground ball rate and why he was such an important figure because his ground ball rate was 56%. And uh, I'm not quoting exactly here, but the major league average ground ball rate right now is 47%, right? And so that's a very basic stat of, of a ground ball rate, but uh, he's dialed into that stuff. I mean, there are a lot of managers who I don't think are. And he, the more people I talk to around the organization about Scott, the biggest takeaway I get is that he empowers people which I think is a, a really needed trait in a modern manager where you have, some people don't like it, but there's a reason why there are other departments that are making decisions or helping to make decisions. And for the Mariners, the sense I get is it's incredibly collaborative. Scott will give equal weight to the pitching analyst as he will to his bullpen coach, as he will to his pitching coach. Uh, and they value all those people. They hired those people. Thus, they value those people. Now, it's up to him to make the decision, right? We know that. But he's trying to draw from 
different levels of expertise and different points of view. And he's not just putting his head in the sand and saying, this is the way I'm doing it. Now, he might still go with his route, but he wants to hear what other people have to say because he trusts them. That's why they hire those people, which is something that, that I find incredibly impressive about Scott. Well, I hope you're warming up because before you know it, August 28th is going to be here and the college football season is going to start. My San Jose State Spartans, a foot, we're now a football power, by the way. Uh, we're taking on Southern Utah. You got Nebraska. Nebraska's taking on the Fighting Illini week one. Hawaii is going to be at UCLA. Connecticut at Fresno State. Before you know it, we're going to be in this college football season. I know I'm gonna to have to start giving up my uh, my bullpen spreadsheets and start start looking at two deeps. It's a it's a big transition, but we'll we'll do our best. Hey, we always love having you on the program. Have a great call tonight, and uh, we'll have you on again soon because uh, A's and Mariners are gonna be playing a lot of games. Yeah, <laughs> that's the truth. Always great to catch up with you guys. Thanks for having me as always. Hey, take care. We'll see you guys. Yeah, he's one of the good ones, Aaron Goldsmith from the not only what we like having him on because he's Mariners, but He's national, so he does national games and baseball, uh, college football, college basketball. The A's have won four of seven from the Mariners this season. Nearly 20% of Oakland's remaining schedule, 12 of 64, are against the Mariners. Bet you didn't know that, Cody. Well, Cohen, the last night, we there was 13 games remaining. It's crazy that the A's or the Angels are done playing in Oakland this year, and we have to go there several more times. Last night also was the last time the Giants go to L.A. to play the Dodgers already in July. So, I mean, it's crazy that some of these rivalries. So the only remaining games between the Dodgers and the Giants are at uh, Oracle Park? Yeah, that's what what I heard on the broadcast at the end of the game last night. I heard Flem say that this is the Giants' final trip to – the Dodger Stadium last night when Kenley Jansen oh, got booed off the field again. Must be nice sitting back on the couch watching Giants Dodgers, and I'm I'm on the air till like twelve oh five. Yeah, well, hey, I had post game posts as soon as you were done. People were asking. Where, people were asking for post game at midnight. <laughs> where I had to say, "Good morning, everybody." We're now in the morning because we played a three hour and twenty three minute game that started at seven ten. That actually was scoreless for the first four innings. By the Sean, way, Sean Maniah went seven innings. Gave, I mean, think about this. Seven innings, gave up one run. It was one pitch, a home run. That's it. And the game went three hours and 23 minutes. Like, seriously. I, I, did, I did some research uh, th- tying into that Dominican Summer League game that had 43 runs scored. You know what the longest game played this year is so far? The, the length of game. Uh, it's got to be like four hours and 45 minutes, five hours and 14 minutes. Somebody played a five hour and 14 minute game. The, tw- the twins and reds played a five hour and 14 minute game that went into extra innings. It was a seven, five final and 12 innings. I can't wait. They're going to get rid of this rule with the runner on second. And I can't wait for the first 16 inning game and to watch everybody go, Oh, I forgot how miserable this is. The manager, his pitching coach, the broadcast, all these old school broadcasters that have complained about the rules. Let's wait till you put these guys back into a five-hour, 16-inning game. I can't wait. And I'm going to be like, I told you so. This is miserable. 
and you'll look out on the crowd and there's like 2,000 people left. Nobody's watching on television. Nobody's listening on the radio network. We'll say here on A's cast, you're going to remember how miserable those are. Because then you got, and hopefully, and hopefully just to make it really miserable, I hope it's a day game the next day. And that you barely get any sleep and you got to come back as a broadcaster and work that game the next day. And to hear how miserable they are and go, oh, remember the old rule? You're out of here and probably in the 10th or 11th inning and you're going home. People are going to remember how miserable that is. Yeah, it's uh, well, it's coming. I think Man- Commissioner Manfred said during the All-Star break before the All-Star game that uh, that they're looking at getting rid of it, going back to its roots. Oh, and you know, and you know, the other thing old school broadcasters are going to find miserable again. How about your doubleheader, both or nine innings? Welcome to being at the ballpark all day long. Yeah, well, it's we're probably going to see it. May, well, maybe next year. So, uh, source. Conf- I, I, I just, I just, I hope, I hope we just don't even have double headers. Like, they're not good for business. That's why they don't do them. Double headers are not good for ticket sales. Like, as much as people, ah, I mean, this young generation doesn't even know what double headers are. Really, double headers are bad. They're not. They're not. They're not good for the bottom line. So I hope I hope that is something that 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 would be something I hope that baseball truly gets rid of because I I, I don't I don't know what's good about a doubleheader I I don't know what positive you can take out of that yeah I don't either but it's uh, the doubleheaders I mean I, I I don't I don't know how I feel about them I mean I like watching two games but I understand the, the business side of it where you're losing money by having two you games seriously you know let me ask you a question. How many human beings with the way modern day baseball is going are going to sit through not one, but two games in one day that are both well over three hours? How, how, how many people are really going to, whether it's television, whether it's radio streaming, or even at the ballpark, how many people do you actually think are going to consume every pitch of over six hours of baseball? Not many. Not many. Yeah. But uh, I do have news for you, though. This is from a source. Boots on the ground. Um, source confirms that our next guest is in San Jose at the Ports San Jose Giants game. I won't give David, us. David Force is at the San Jose Giants game. I won't give Stockton Ports. I won't give away our source, but he is staying in my apartment this week. So, David, what are you doing down? I mean, obviously, he's going to say, yeah, it's nice to come down here and be able to check out these guys. Who are you trading, David? <laughs> Who are you trading? David, are you and Farhan working on a deal to get Marco Luciano to the ace? <laughs> Is there something going down that we should know about? I've totally forgot. What's the date today? Is it the 24th or the 23rd? Or? 23rd. Trade deadline's next Friday, so a week away. Ooh. Who you trading, David? What's going on? Nelly Cruz slipped through the fingers. Where are you going now? Oh, speaking of Nelly Cruz, uh, today was his first game with the uh, with the um, the Rays. And uh, I'm gonna see. I, I I think I saw a highlight. They started four o'clock. Yeah, I, th- I think I saw a highlight about about his his game. Let me see if I can find it. It was on Twitter somewhere. 
Do you think it's a sold-out crowd to see the debut of Nelson Cruz in Tampa Bay? Well, it's in Cleveland playing the Indians. Uh, here's the here's debut of Nelson Cruz. That's the only way that you can continue to be that productive. He shoots this one into right field with some carry. That one is going to get out. A home run to right by wow. Nelson Cruz. Second at bat, Nelson Cruz, Apo Taco in Cleveland. So, Good for uh, him. 41 years guys 41 years old it's the 20th homer of the season he was the one i wanted he was the guy and mike petri mike petriello liked nelson cruz the a's there was a lot of people he, he would have been a great fit a dh that hits for power and makes contact have you seen the numbers lately on matt chapman matt chapman is two for his last 30. So I was happy in the post game that he got that infield hit because the numbers I had on him, he was about to be 12, he's about to be 0 for 15 with eight strikeouts. Matt Chapman right now is two for 30 with a 0. 0.067 batting average. 0. 0.067. That's zero RBIs and 15 strikeouts in his last eight games. Something's wrong. But I'm not, I'm not, I'm not buying. Stop telling me about the hip. Did you see the way he ran down the first baseline last night? Did you see that catch he made to end the Angels game? No one runs like that and has a bad hip. Something's up. I don't know. Even if you have a bad hip, you should be able to hit a ground ball to second base and there's no one at second base. Because you're being shifted. Even with a bad hit, you should be able to throw the barrel at the ball and hit the ground ball into right field for a base hit. I mean, completely missing pitches. And I think it was Ray Fossey who said yesterday right here on A's Cast Live, what's alarming is it's pitches right down the middle. Yeah. We're not talking about like, oh, it's a nasty split. Oh, it's a nasty slider. Oh, I mean, you're talking about pitchers are getting on the mound and just challenging him pitch after pitch after pitch. And he's not seeing it. He's not feeling it. And, wow, it's kind of scary to where Matt Olson is the complete opposite. Where Matt Olson in the last 13 games is hitting 326. He's got an OPS of 1,179. And 10 of his 13 hits have gone for extra bases. So during this stretch of 13 games, five dingers, 11 RBIs. It's like the two mats are in completely different worlds. One guy's playing like an MVP candidate. The other guy can't make contact. I mean, that's kind of scary. You want to break here before we get to David? Uh, well, he usually calls us, and he's pretty pretty punctual. We can play about We can go to, for about two minutes. Sure. All right. The David Force Show coming up next right here on A's Cast Live. Coming up next, it's the Bob Melvin Show right here on A's Cast Live. 
A's fans, join us for the biggest music festival in the fall. It's the inaugural Battle Axe and Tracks Music Festival, held October 2nd and 3rd in Carson City, Nevada. Grammy Award nominees Kenny Wayne Shepard, Larkin Poe, Samantha Fish, and North Mississippi All-Stars are just four of the 15 acts. Festival activities also include axe throwing and freedom rail bike tours. Tickets on sale now with VIP two-day and single-day tickets available. Check out the full schedule at BattleAxeandTracks.com. That's BattleAxeandTracks.com. Hi, this is Ramon Laureano. And the throw is going to be in time at the plate. Laureano firing a strike all the way on the line. And you're listening to Ace Cast, your 24-7 destination for Ace Baseball. You know, normally it feels like the A's play the Mariners every game at the start of the year. I mean, it seemed like that for years. But now I'm going to play the Mariners... 12 of the well it is time for the david ford show here on a's cast live and david my scouts say that you're down here in san jose at san jose muni is that correct i'm hanging out with cody's roommate here at uh muni yep that is correct but you know right now i just want you to envision i want you to look out on the mound and just pitch the young Chris Townsend just blowing smoke by guys. I can see it. I can see it. it it's hot enough. I can I can see it. <laughs> well, you know the thing about the Stockton Port, some of your best prospects are down there. What, what's it like for you to get down and, and, and go to a minor league game and see these guys that you've drafted each time? Yeah, it, this is you know, shamefully the first time I've seen these guys all year. It's just so much going on up until now and um i mean i think i've told you in the past coming out to see the minor league clubs is one of my favorite favorite things to do it's a nice relaxing day away from the big league club and um but like you said there's a lot of good looking players here so it's nice to finally see this group you know some guys have come out and said they really haven't enjoyed the way the schedule has worked now that you've gone through the draft now that next Friday you got the trading deadline, what has this process been like with so much going on around you guys in the front line? It's it's been an adjustment, you know. I think I, I don't know that it's that big a deal, particularly since you know we've seen a pretty quiet trade market so far, and I, I think a lot a lot of us are kind of putting off the substantive discussions until next week, both both buyers and sellers. So. I, it's an adjustment, you know, the draft haven't just finished a week or so ago, but um, but I, I think we can handle it. Have you truly established exactly who are the buyers and who are the sellers at this point? <laughs> uh, I know we're hoping to be buyers and I'm hoping everybody else in our division is selling, but that, that's about <laughs> as far as I've gotten. <laughs> hey, can they trade that Otani guy out of the division? Can that happen? <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. So I'm, I'm, I'm hoping we don't run into them again next weekend, but we're waiting to see what their rotation looks like. So, uh, no, I don't think the Angels are going anywhere. Um, you know, obviously, we're, we're seeing the Mariners right now, and they've they've been right on our tail for a while now. So I, I, I don't think I'm going to get my wish. I don't think anybody else in our division outside of the Rangers is really going to go into that buyer category. Oh, I'm sorry, the seller category. You know, when you think about the trading deadline, of course, everybody's asking me in the postgame show, what are the A's going to do? Where are you right now when it comes to, you know, starting to really get a deal done? Are you close or is this thing going to be more towards next Friday? No, we're, we're just sort of dancing around. I, I, I think it's 
again, there's, you know, everybody's looking for the best deal possible on both sides right now. And until you get closer to a deadline, no one's, no one's really going to come off their asks on either side. So, um, look, we're, we're hopeful that there are deals out there to be made. I, like I, I always say, it, it takes two to make a deal. So hard to guarantee anything, but we're hopeful that there's something out there that works. You know, we told everybody in the Bay Area if they want to go see the Stockton Ports that uh, San, San Jose Muni is a great spot and you got a lot of talent. Uh, do you have a couple guys, would you say, on the Stockton Ports who are basically untouchable? Well, it's hard. It's hard to make a deal when you start with the untouchables. So I, I don't like to. I don't like to use that word. But you've obviously got some pretty high-profile guys here, and, and you know. Tyler Soderstrom, Robert Pausson, Bram Buelvis, Lawrence Butler's having himself a hell of a year. I mean, these are guys that are, you know, premium prospects at a young age in our system and the kind of guys that you you rely on building around eventually. So it's it's hard when those names come up, but um, but again, everything's a negotiation. So we've I know we've traded prospects away that 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 hurt in the past, but you're obviously doing it in service of the major league club. I mean, these guys are really young, but where do you envision some of these guys getting to the big league level? Ooh, that's, yeah, it's, that's hard. We, it's funny. We did an exercise uh, a few years back where we put some, put some prospect pages together and put some ETAs on it. And we went back and looked and we were, we were way off on the ETAs. So I, I wouldn't say that I'm, I'm an expert in, in projecting where these guys end up, but you know they're they're in low A right now. The next the next jump is a big one, and whether that's you know to Lansing or directly to Midland for some of these guys, depending on the year, that's that's the that's the jump that kind of gives us some more information. Yeah, when I interviewed Max Muncy, and I'm like, you were born in 2002. Is it? Am I reading <laughs> right? Like 2000. I got to tell you, he's a he's a very impressive young man. He is. He is. Yeah, we. You know, we were fortunate. We we brought him up early in the week before the draft to work out at the stadium, and uh, Eric and Dan and I got to sit down with him for a half an hour, pick his brain a little bit, and just his his passion for the game, his understanding of what he's trying to do out there was really really exciting. And in addition, obviously, to all the physical tools. You know, when you when when you look at the draft now, and when you're signing a guy, is it just so much easier because of the slotting? So you kind of know what you're going to pay the guy versus yesteryear. You know, who knows what a Scott Boris client was going to ask for? Right, you're right. It's look, it's all one process now. It used to be you drafted a guy and then you started the negotiation. Uh, the way the way it's worked now for a handful of years in the in the pool system, it's it's pretty much one process. You you talk to a players represented by drafting him you 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 talk about the the bonus and negotiation beforehand and then you know I, I would say there are very few guys now that get drafted without without an understanding of what what the financials look like you know one thing that's so interesting heading to the deadline for you is the fact that your bullpen is actually red hot right now so your, your team has won seven to ten games, and your bullpen during that time has a 1.24 ERA. And two guys that I want you to speak about that have really been throwing the ball well, Lou Trevino and the resurgence of Sergio Romo. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, we, we spent a lot of the first half talking about, you know, how to, how to help the bullpen, how to, you know, add both internally and externally. We've had some moving pieces, but, um, but you're right. They've, they've been outstanding over the last couple of weeks. And, and 
frankly, they've had to be. You know, we've, we've had games where we haven't had much margin for error. The, the offense is kind of scrapped for a couple of runs here and there. And, um, you know, the guys, the two guys you mentioned are, are, are the biggest reason. Sergio pitching like it's 2012 all over again um, and really solidifying the, the, from the right side the seventh and eighth innings for Bob. Uh, and Lou has been great. I mean, never, never been in that role for this extended period of time and, and not really showing any fear of coming in any situation, even either the eighth or the ninth inning. So Matt Chapman, we, we saw him book it down the line for an infield base hit last night. I mean, that incredible catch that I, I he's like the only guy I know that can make that catch in that game against the Angels. So you're seeing him run, he's healthy, but there's something going off on offensively that's not clicking. What, what do you think's wrong with it? It's, you know, it's, it's interesting. He put together a really good stretch in June um, and hit some homers and kind of looked like, looked like himself. And everybody sort of said, like, well, that, he's back. He's physically back. The hip isn't an issue. And, and I think we have to remember that this is not, you know, this is not a straight line. Any, any rehab or any sort of thing like that, it's not just like, okay, you're there and you're just going to keep going up there. You know, we talk about distance from the surgery and time, time off. He just, you know, he's, he's back sort of in a little bit of a funk and whether it's physical or not, you know, he's finding other ways to contribute. Like you said, that, that catch he made at the end of the game was, was ridiculous. That, that, that uh, wall he ran into wasn't even there three months ago until we added that extra bullpen section. So for him to navigate that part of the field and come up with a big catch, I mean, he, he finds a way to contribute. So I, I just think it's a matter of time before he get, gets back to what he was doing in June. You know, Caprellian obviously is a guy that when he was drafted out of UCLA by the Yankees, they thought he could be a frontline guy. You traded for him. He was hurt at the time. Is he exceeding your expectation, or are you saying this is what we expected when we traded him? That's a good question. I mean, it, you, you go back, and it's almost a, an entirely different guy that was drafted and that we, that we traded for because he's – so many, you know, years and the rehabs have passed and the experiences he's gone through. I mean, look, when we brought him up earlier this year to take Fires' spot, we were, you know, we're looking for somebody to solidify that spot every fifth day, give us a chance to win games, keep us in the ball game. Um, he almost didn't give us a chance to get out of the first inning that first night, as has been well documented. But to see how far James has come, and I saw his comments the other night after, you know, after he basically throws seven scoreless and he, he wants more. He wants to, he wants to be as good as the guys at the top of the rotation. And that's exciting. I think, I think you want guys to, to aim high and, uh, and James has been a huge, huge part of what we've, you know, what we've accomplished so far. And I know for Cole Irvin, I mean, you're talking about your fourth and fifth starters are going deep into games and great, giving you great outings. I, I know you like them at Oregon. I mean, you got them for, for cash, from the Phillies, I mean, when you look at what he's done, what's that been like for the front office in that pickup? You, you don't think we had him going toe-to-toe with Otani when we made that trade? I, I knew exactly <laughs> what you were thinking. No, Cole's, Cole's been a revelation. I mean, from from the, the first pitch of spring training where he had to, you know, he had basically had to win a job and he competed, competed with A.J. and Dalton all the way to that last start in the spring and he just he just hasn't given up the ball, basically. I mean, he, he knows that, that he had to go out there and earn stuff, and, and he's done an incredible job. It's a, certainly a tribute to the work that he's done. 
you know, there's no question there's been times where you've had to do like a patchwork pitching staff and just figure it out even like weeks before spring training starts. What has this season been like for you where you have you actually have a you know, knock on wood, but you've got a solid five night in and night out? Yeah, well, the knock on wood part is critical there. It's, it's frankly, it's nerve wracking to just feel like you're comfortable with five guys. It's, it's not something we've had often and it's, you know, you're sort of waiting for the other shoe to drop, but, but those five guys have been so consistent. Um, each guy trying to sort of top the other. I mean, you, you sort of think of Bassett as the all-star and kind of the ace. And then Sean goes out last night, which puts up 13 K's and almost single-handedly wills us to win that game. So you, you know, you, you can't say enough about the consistency and, and really the, the excellence of each guy in the rotation. You know, before we let you go, you can tell us what you're going to do before the deadline. That would be great for your for AceCast Live. Well, by, by my account, we're going to talk about one week from now. The deadline will have passed, and, and you'll know just like everybody else. <laughs> by the way, to, <laughs> to give you a tip, the barbecue down the left field line, the ribs are fabulous there at San Jose Muni. I never, I never miss them. I've been coming down here long enough that I'm well aware of how good Turkey Mike's is, so I'll be out there. So what happens if the beer batter strikes out? Do you get in the line? <laughs> I got to drive back to Berkeley. So, no, I'm not I'm not here for the beer batter. Well, enjoy tonight. It's always fun to watch minor league baseball and to watch your Stockton ports, and we'll talk to you next week. All right, Tony. Talk to you later. David Forrest, the general manager of your Oakland Athletics. Can you imagine him being in line for the beer batter? I'm actually trying to picture that right now the beer better strikes out and he's shoving people out of the way to get in line for half price like beer. he's first in line yeah you give me two bud lights uh don't yeah he, and then the people look at him like uh, you look familiar yeah i don't know what you're talking about two bud lights uh, don't you work for the no i don't work for the that's not me that's 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 the other guy it's billy yeah never heard of him so he's down there in san jose what do you think he's doing Taking in minor league baseball. Do you think Farhan's with them? No. Well, the Giants are at home. Oh, the Giants are playing. Giants got a big homestand this weekend with the Pirates in town. Big one. I'll be there tomorrow and Sunday to watch the Pirates get clobbered. I can't imagine uh, those guys would want. Well, I guess it wouldn't be a big deal. But, you know, if they're seen together, it's going to. Picture uh, pictures will be taken and uh, they will they will end up on Twitter. I won't be able to see it since I've been banned from Twitter. But. Yeah, I doubt it. I doubt it. But, you know, that's that that's something, you know, I, I think that's great for the kids to see the general manager. Right. You know, you're looking up and the guy that's going to decide your future one way or another is there to watch you play. I mean, I know if I was a minor league player and I knew the GM was in the house, I, I would, I would, hey, I want to shine. I mean, your goal is to move up. As much as you may like Stockton and low A baseball, <laughs> your, your, your goal is to get to the next level. So go to high A or double A. So when the big cheese is in the house, you want to perform. Yeah. It's your career. And uh, Tyler Soderstrom's back in the lineup today, Alex told me earlier. He was day-to-day after leaving the game early, so he'll be back in the lineup today, so David will get to see him play. You know, our, our prize pick from last year's draft, and Poisson. See, to me, to me, by the way, I, that, that kid's untouchable. 
Oh, I would hope this so. Kid, this kid is going to, you know, as much as I don't like prospects, as you've heard me say many a time on the show, prospects are suspects until they do something at the big league level. I get so tired of hearing about prospects. And being, oh, this guy's going to be. Remember Jamile Weeks. Oh, Jamile Weeks is going to be the greatest player. Jamile Weeks is untouchable. He's the face of the franchise. Jamile Weeks was not a good player. So I, I, I doubt Chris Carter. Oh, Michael Taylor. I can go through all of these guys that people are like, these are the next great A's. Whatever. But Tyler, I'm actually excited about Tyler. Tyler has a pedigree. Tyler is a kid that grew up around it. You know, when your father played in the big leagues and your father has a baseball school and you've been you've been catching and hitting off minor league guys for years. I mean, think about this. Soderstrom's been playing with guys above his age and training with guys that gives him such an advantage that I don't think he's going to be long in the minor leagues. And that's one of the great things about playing for the A's is that they're not going to sit here and manipulate your service time, which that's, I don't know, that may be a thing of the past too. With the way this CBA, that's going to be one of the things that the players' union is coming for. The players' union is coming for, you know, not 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 getting these guys to the big leagues because you want to manipulate their service time and their contracts long term. The players union is going to this is going to be one of the hot, I would say. Top three hot button target for the negotiations for the CBA. Would you agree or disagree? Oh, I think that's that's going to be one of the one of the biggest things that's going to be in there. I would say number one is going to be expansion because that's that's that I mean that that for both sides right owners want it players want it I mean why would the players union not want two more franchises two more franchises mean more jobs for the players more minor leaguers that's a win for everybody for the owners they get the expansion fee I don't know what the expansion fees were back in the day for like the D-backs and the Rockies and the Marlins and the Rays. But I, I got to think it's a couple hundred million dollars that will then, for from each team, let's call it a billion dollars. That means 30 teams are, are sharing a billion dollars. That's why when Major League Baseball tells Oakland, are you in or you out on a new ballpark? And people are like, ah, they're just bluffing. No, they're not. They're not bluffing. They want expansion. They need to get the A's and the Rays right before they can expand. That's why they want an answer. Because the CBA is up in December. And there's some big-time negotiations going on. And expansion's number one. Well, number one is getting the deal done, let's be honest. But I mean, the hot-button topics are expansion free agency how are we going to pay these guys because you're waiting way too long to pay these guys and then take a guy like matt chapman matt chapman is not officially a free agent until he's 31 years old 
Now, I don't think Matt Chapman right now deserves any type of contract the way he's playing, but you get what I'm saying. The players need to get, you know, as Scott Boris said on this program last week or this week. Was it this week? It was Monday, yeah. It was Monday. Scott Boris said it. It's a big pie. It's a big, juicy, healthy pie, but the players got to get more of it. Okay. I have no problem with that. They're the product. Owners are making a lot of money. So that's a hot-button topic. And manip- manipulating service time is not cool. Because no other sport does this. You don't draft Peyton Manning and then say, well, you know, Peyton Manning, we're going to sit you in the minor leagues, and we're going to wait until this certain date where we know you can't be a Super 2 and go to arbitration early. No. Peyton Manning gets drafted out of Tennessee and starts week one for the Indianapolis Colts. Perfect example. Right now, going on, the NHL draft is going on right now. Owen Power was just drafted number one overall out of Michigan. Who? A defenseman. He's going to be playing game one for the Buffalo Sabres. He's not going to be playing in the minor leagues. He's not going to be playing overseas. Wayne Gretzky, Mario Lemieux, they don't go to the minor leagues. Sidney Crosby got drafted number one by the Penguins, 18 out of Nova Scotia. How he many? Did, how he didn't play in the minor leagues. How many minor league games did Patty Marlowe play? Uh, none. Zero. Joe Thornton, zero. Patty Marlowe has played in more games than anybody in the history of hockey, right? Yes. Never. He was, I'll never forget. That was back in the day when I was, remember Jeff Friesen? I used to play golf with Jeff Friesen all the time. Yes, I do remember Jeff Friesen. So I remember when Patrick, I was with Friesen, and we were at the tank when Patty Marlowe showed up for the very first time. Patrick Marlowe did not spend one game in the minor leagues. He played immediately. I mean, that's the thing. It's like you got to stop with this. Chris Bryant wasn't, you know, oh, Chris Bryant. Well, we're going we're gonna to keep him down for a little more time. And then the minute you've manipulated his service time that he can't be a super two, he's immediately in the big leagues. George Springer, same thing. Yeah, it's terrible. It's terrible. I think another thing, too, we're going to have to look at is... Uh, By the, the way, both those guys that could be lifelong players in your organization, because, they're I mean, George Springer's a great player. Chris Bryant's a great player. Both those guys hate those organizations now. Where's George Springer now? Toronto. Where's Chris Bryant going to be? Well, good question. We'll find out next week. <laughs> but Chris Bryant wants no part of Chicago of Chicago because they manipulated his service time. And I don't blame him. It's weak sauce. Yeah. And, and, and I and, and it, it, you know, here you got a guy. What, he's got 16 home runs, 53 RBIs, excuse me, 48 RBIs, 53 runs scored. He's an MVP. He's a World Series champion. And he hates you. How is this good for business that you you kind of there's a certain word for it, I'm not gonna say it, but you don't do your employee right. And then all of a sudden he's like, Have they ever offered him? Do we know if they've ever offered him a long term deal? Not that I remember. Um Cubs is a strange deal, man. Cubs Cubs have good players, but they don't like their good players. So Good luck on the north side of Chicago. Who, 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 where's the other team? The south side. The south side. The yeah. south siders. They throw they they throw money at their players. 
uh, which completely different than what they haven't won since 05. And then you got the Cubs who they don't want to resign any of their players. They're going to trade everyone. They give Kimbrel that major deal as a free agent. He's been awful up until this year where he's been great. Uh, he's yeah, well, we'll see. I mean, we'll see what he does. Could be an A. Well. You wouldn't take him right now. Oh, totally I would take him. But I don't know if I would take him again next year because who knows who's going to do next year because he's been so bad leading up to this year the last couple of years. But but he's been good this year. I'll give him that 100%. He's been great. And he has, he makes like $16 million next year. But he has like a like a million-dollar buyout, so, and it's a team option, so you can buy him out. But Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. There's a there's a million dollar buyout of his contract for next year. If I, I remember if I let me let me look it up real quick for, for Kimber. I believe he had a million dollar buyout for his it was a team option, but I think you could buy him off for like a million dollars is what it was. That sounds like an A's deal to me. Yeah, and people talk about Trevor Rosenthal. I mean, remember people are like, Well, it's eleven million dollars wasted. Yeah, remember that deal was deferred. It's not like they gave him eleven million dollars this year either. Uh Kimbrell's deal. Yeah, sixteen million dollar team option for twenty twenty two with a one million dollar buyout option. Options guaranteed. Oh, 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 oh. that that sounds like an A's deal to me. Well, so here's how it works though: the options guaranteed with one hundred and ten games finished, meaning he you know finishes a game between twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one. He needs to have fifty five games finished in twenty twenty one. What's he at right now? He is at um, in twenty twenty one. He is at how many games finished so far? Let me get scroll up here. He spent 37 games. He's at that's postseason. Sorry. It's, they have the thing at the very bottom for you look when you look at their contract value. He is at 33 right now. So he needs to have 22 games finished the rest of the season. Unless he pitched today, which I don't think he did because the Cubs blew out the Diamondbacks. So he needs to have 22 more to get there because he only had 11 last year. Well, there's 64 games left for the A's. He's got a 0.51 ERA on the year. Yeah. 0.51. I mean, what did Blake finish with? Like 0.72 or whatever? 7.8. I mean, technically, this guy is kind of having one of the great seasons a closer's ever had. Yeah, this is this is up there with uh... – let me pull it up. Zach Britton in 2016, I think, had a 0.54 ERA, and I think he had like 48 saves for the Orioles, uh, 47 saves, 0.54 ERA. He was 2-1. and one. He had 63 games finished that year, uh, 47 saves, 74 strikeouts to 18 innings or 18 walks. Kimbrell's at 61 strikeouts, 12 walks, and 35 and a third innings pitched, and a .51 ERA. Uh, that's a really good. That's a really good year. Now, last year, the twenty twenty one, the twenty twenty season, a five twenty eight ERA. The twenty nineteen season, a six fifty three ERA. So, maybe he figured it out again this year at age thirty three. He'll be thirty four next year. But I mean, I would totally take him if you can get him. But what do you have to give up to get him? Is the question. And do the Cubs think they're still in it? I mean, who knows? Who knows if the Cubs think they're still in it? They're eight and a half out of the out of first place. Although you think the Brewers are are choke artists and they're not going to finish in first, but where are my Brew Crew right now? Uh, the Brewers right now are fifty six and forty one. They're six and a half games ahead of uh, the Cincinnati. Long Reds. way to go. Long way to go. They're the only team in the division with a plus run differential. My Cincinnati Reds are forty nine and forty seven. My Cardinals are forty nine and forty eight. Right on their heels. Uh, Castellanos is out for is on the IL, so uh, the Reds are going to start falling apart. 
A's are only two and a half back of the Astros. And two and a half behind the, the race for the first wild card as well. Long, there's 64 games left. There's a lot that can happen. Yeah. So, so, so And 12, you know what? 12 of the next 64 against Seattle. The A's literally can bury the Seattle Mariners. In the in the misery, in the season, and the Mariners have still not been to the playoffs since two thousand and one. That's that's not good. That is just incredible. Yeah. And well, I should say incredibly bad. That is the worst, right, in all professional sports. Yeah, I think Buffalo had the longest streak in the Buff- the the Bills, but they broke it when they went to the playoffs in a couple of years ago. So I want you to think of how bad this is. Every team in the NFL, every team in the NBA, every team in the NHL, and every team in Major League Baseball has been to the playoffs since 2001 other than the Seattle Mariners. How many teams that is in American sports? It's a lot. That's a lot of teams. Everybody has been to the postseason at least once. And it's not like the Mariners and it's not like the Mariners have had Bad years either. There's been times they won 89, 90 games, and they like a couple years ago was it 2019 or 2018, whatever it was. They won 89 games and they finished in uh, third place in their division because the Astros and A's were better. I think it was 2018. All right, uh, what are we gonna play here? Uh, we'll just see what we did yesterday. We'll play some play some spots and 10 then minutes? Uh, that'll be less than ten minutes. All right. Well, we want to thank Bob Melvin. We want to thank David Forrest. We want to thank Alex Jensen, the voice of the ports, and Aaron Goldsmith, voice of the Seattle Mariners, and also on Fox for national baseball, college football, and college basketball. Wow, this is Friday. We're done for the weekend. Yeah. Oh, I bet you got plans. Uh, well, I have a lot of work to do tonight, but yes, Pirates Giants this weekend. Can't wait to watch oh, them get. Can't wait to I, can't wait to watch them get get killed over the weekend. You know what I get over? You know what I get tomorrow? A 7-10 night game. 7-10 Saturday night game. Nothing like being on till midnight and then getting up early for a day game. Thank you, Seattle Mariners. What? Why, why are you playing a Saturday night 7-10 game? That makes no sense. Because you're not going to have fireworks. Firework games, you'd start like at what? Six? Yeah, usually. I don't know what their promotion is. I've always hated the Mariners. This makes me hate them even more. But we got a good ball game tonight. Kikuchi up against Frankie Montas. The all-star, you say, Kikuchi. The A's have won seven of their last ten. The bullpen has a 1.24 ERA over that stretch. Sergio Romo has thrown nine and two-thirds scoreless innings. And Lou Trevino, who got the save last night, number 16, has allowed just three runs to earn in 20 and a third innings in his last 20 appearances. You know what that ERA is in his last 20 appearances? Uh, Pretty good. 0.84. You're welcome. All right, everybody. I'll be back in literally nine minutes with A's Total Access. Thank you for listening to A's Cast Live. 
The host of Giants pregame and Bay Area baseball historian Marty Lurie was on A's Cast Live and explained how Townie has now become the new marathon man for pre- and post-game shows. You have eclipsed me. You are unbelievable how much content you put out, and the A's are so lucky to have you there. I don't know how you do it every day. I did it for 25 years, and uh, you're still doing it in the most strong fashion. And I commend you for it. You, you, you are a, a tremendous treasure to Oakland A's baseball, believe me. To listen to the full interview and much more, go to athletics.com slash A's cast. A's fans, join us for the biggest music festival in the fall. It's the inaugural Battle Axe and Tracks Music Festival, held October 2nd and 3rd in Carson City, Nevada. Grammy Award nominees Kenny Wayne Shepard, Larkin Poe, Samantha Fish, and North Mississippi All-Stars are just four of the 15 acts. Festival activities also include axe throwing and Freedom Rail Bike Tours. Tickets on sale now with VIP two-day and single-day tickets available. Check out the full schedule at BattleAxeandTracks.com. That's BattleAxeandTracks.com. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.